caring for greater and getting to the point that we understand that God wants to use us in ways that many of us cannot even imagine. God wants to use you. Yes, you. He wants to use you and the spiritual giftings that he's placed inside of you to do supernatural things in the earth realm. The verse of scripture that we quote quite often from Ephesians, the third chapter, I believe it's verse number 20. uh, It talks about he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or even think according to the power that works in us. That means that there are some things that God wants to do in and through our lives that we in our natural minds can't even imagine God doing that through us. But he absolutely does. And as we've been dealing with Moses and the children of Israel uh, and over in the book of Numbers, we understand that, that God sent Moses to do something that at the time that he ordained Moses to do it, Moses didn't think he could do it. Can I get a witness? When Moses was full of himself around the age of 40, and sometimes when men get around the age of 40, they get full of themselves. They have a midlife crisis. Come on. Uh, you know, they start dressing like they did when they were teenagers, <laughs> having affairs and all that kind of stuff, huh? getting outside of the will of God. But God had to take Moses and prepare his heart, prepare his mind. Forty years on the backside of the desert, then God said, it's time for you to come forth and do what I've ordained you to do. But at the time God told him that, Moses didn't think he was capable. Who am I to go tell Pharaoh to let the people go? I'm, I'm a nobody. See, and that's what God, God desires to get us to a point to where we don't think that we got it all in our own strength, and our own intellect, and our own education. When we trust him to be the only reason why we could even possibly hope to be able to accomplish the thing that he set our hands to do, then that's what God has us right where he wants us. And so we talked about preparing for greater because God had a promised land for his children, but an entire generation failed to inherit the promise. An entire generation failed to get what God had for them, even though he had it for them. They failed to enter in because of their unbelief. We said that Israel faced three crucial problems. The first one was what? Fear. The second was what? Unbelief. And the third was what? Complaining. How much fear, how much unbelief, and how much complaining is going on in your life today? So as we talk about preparing for greater, one of the things that we're going to step into today is, is I believe that, that God desires for us to be disciples. As a matter of fact, I know he does. He desires for us to be his disciples. And disciples, uh, when we are disciples, that means that we have to get to a point to where if we are disciples, disciples go out and make other disciples. And disciple making is more than church attending. Disciple making goes beyond being a good church member, being a good Baptist, a Methodist, Episcopalian, a church of God in Christ, uh, a a symbol of God. It goes beyond being a good person to learning how to interface with people and allow God to use us to bring others into a genuine personal relationship with him. So but in order to do that, in order to become disciple makers, we have to we have to get prepared for greater relationships deeper relationships. And so today we're going to talk about uh, relationship. Everybody say relationships. relationships. Say it one more time. Relationships. relationships. Now in your outline, I, I, I gave you uh, 
some, some points I want you. We're going to hit on these and try to move through them because I think it's really important that we understand that God is preparing us for greater. But yet greater involves learning how to do relationships better. The first thing I said in order to 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 get greater or to be prepared for greater relationship is we got to know ourselves. First of all, everybody say know myself. All right. To prepare for greater relationships, we each have to go through the process of understanding why we are the way we are. Let me say it again. And I want you to repeat it. Let me say, I have to understand why I am the way I am. Now, how many of y'all are willing to admit here in public in front of this whole church that you got some quirky ways? You got some stuff on the inside. There, there's some there's some ways about you that just it's, it's you. There's some ways about you that that sometimes does not connect with what God wants to do through you. Am I right about it? Some of, some of you have ways where, where all of us have these different ways where where maybe there's sometimes we don't want to be bothered with people. Anybody ever been there before? Say, but don't want to fool with nobody. And see, disciple making involves a man connecting with people. Disciple making involves walking with people, going through things with people, picking them up when they fall. Amen. Having sometimes to argue with people, sometimes a man having strong disagreement with people and still maintain the relationship. But you'll never get to the point to where you can do that until you know yourself. Each of us has a story to tell. Is that correct? Each of us, to some degree, are a product of our past. Would y'all agree with me? And if you don't, it don't matter because it's true. (laughs) Each of us is in some way controlled by the past until we consciously and willingly choose to break that control with the help of the Holy Spirit. Can I get a witness? And to prepare for greater relationships we have to deal with the wounds of our past. Go with me right quick in, uh, to John, the 13th chapter, verse 34 and 35. We're going to read that right quick, and then we'll step back into this. To prepare for greater relationships, we have to deal with the wounds of our past, and everybody has them. Uh, people that pretend like they don't have them are the ones who really need to, to do some digging and find out what those wounds are. Because I guarantee you, as I told you time and time again, each one of us uh, grew up in families that because sin is an earth realm, each one of our families had some level of dysfunctionality. And that dysfunctionality, whether you're willing to admit it or not, affected you. Some of you, it drove you to, 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 to be excellent in everything you do because you didn't want to disappoint somebody who you thought highly of. Can I get a witness? And so, so, so that dysfunctionality, amen, drove us. But watch what the text says here. I'm going to get into it because this is really important. Because relationships and learning how to do relationships God's way is critically important for the health of this church and you and your individual ministry that God has called you to operate in. Amen? Relationships. Everybody say relationships. Most people don't do relationships very well. Let me back up. We do it well with people who are just like us, who think like us, who do who like the same things that we like, go to the same places that we go, watch the same shows that we like, root for the same team that we root for. As long as they're just like us, we're okay with them. 
But how many of you know that when it comes to reaching people, it's going to be very rare that you find someone who's just like you. As a matter of fact, that'd be real scary. As a matter of fact, we don't want a church full of folks just like each one of us. I mean, in other words, can you imagine if we had a church full of, well, I don't want to offend anybody, but full of you. If everybody was just like you in the church, what would get done? If everybody was just like you and then support the church with their finances, could we build this building? Uh-uh, we could not because you, you didn't tithe. You didn't give offerings. You gave God a tip. And it wasn't a good tip at that. All right? So, so if everybody was just like you and did life just the way you did it, then we would probably be messed up. Including, just like me, we would be messed up. Well, there's some things that, that, that God wants to do in me, has to correct in me, just like he has to correct in you. All right? So relationships is critically important. So we've got to prepare for greater relationship. And one of the things that, that helps us is, is to see what Jesus said about each one of us is born again believers. Watch what the text says. Y'all there with me? Look, notice what Jesus says. He says, what? A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also do what? Love one another. Next verse says what? By this, by what? By the fact that you are loving one another, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if you have love one to another, one to another. Well, the ability to have that kind of agape love, that ability to be able to connect with people in a genuine, intimate way so that we can partner together to do the work of ministry is oftentimes hindered because many of us don't know how to do relationships the way God desires and designed for us to do relationships. We hadn't prepared for greater works in ministry because we, hadn't, we don't know how to relate to people properly. Now, look back at your outline. I said to prepare for greater relationships, we have to deal with the wounds of our past. What is a wound? Glad you asked. A wound is any unresolved issue where a lack of closure adversely impacts and shapes the direction and dynamics of a person's life right now. In other words, a wound is something that you never really dealt with growing up, never really dealt with from the previous relationship, the previous marriage you were in, and now that wound is being carried over into the new relationship, and that wound from your childhood is now affecting how you relate to people today. Are y'all tracking with me today? Wounds, unresolved issues, stuff that we packed away, conveniently put in the suitcase, said I'm not going to ever open it up again. That was when I was growing up. I'm, I'm through with that. I ain't never going back there. See, people always say I ain't ever going back to where I came from. Sometimes I, I wonder about those kind of folks. What wound from your past that keeps you from going back to where you came from? You know, there are all kinds of wounds. And, 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 and today I don't have time to go through the types of wounds. We'll talk about those later on. But, but many of us have wounds that we never address. Father wounds. Huh? Gee, man, remember, remember the, the, the father wound? Whether he was an absent father, whether he was a father that was there, but, but, he, but he really wasn't there, whether he was a father who was abusive or, or, or whatever. Uh, many of you dealing with father wounds. Never addressed it, 
just grew up, dad died, but you never addressed the wound that was left by the lack of a good godly relationship with dad. I'm not saying dad may not have been saved, he may have been saved, but a father wound. And then we have the overly abundant with mother wound. Some mother wounds that are there that we never address, never talk about, we just moved on. And we thought that we had got beyond that, but many times that wound affects how we deal with people in the church today. Some of y'all don't trust very easily because you were hurt and somebody violated your trust. And so now you, you look at everybody with suspicion. You got them sneaky eyes. <laughs> don't trust anybody. Don't trust. And, and, and so as a result, it's hard for you to meet people. All right. It's hard for you to, to interface with people because, because you don't trust very well. And again, people have to earn trust. I understand that. But I'm talking about sometimes we allow, amen, those things from our past to keep us from getting where we need to be. Talk about painful honesty right quick. L- listen to this. Getting to know yourself, because we're talking about relationship. Getting to know yourself requires unmasked, painful honesty. Honesty requires fully looking at the whole truth. Do you remember what Jesus said in John, the 8th chapter, verse number 32? He said, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall do what? Make you free. Is that what Jesus said? You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Truth, listen to this carefully. Truth has to be unmasked because like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, we would rather hide from truth and protect ourselves than come out exposed and naked to God. Go, go with me right quick. To, to Genesis third chapter. We won't stay here very long, but I, I need you to see this. Genesis chapter number three. So if you, if, if you don't really know yourself, how are you going to properly relate to somebody else? If you're not honest enough to say, well, you know what? I, I, I'm fearful around people and I, I, don't, I don't like talking because, you know, maybe I wasn't allowed to talk coming up. Maybe, maybe I was, I, I, when I said something, people made fun of me. So now I, I go into my shell. I only say something around people who I really know who, 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 who are not going to make fun of me. Whatever that is, it's causing you not to be in a position. It's causing us not to be in a position to where we can properly relate to people and be able to properly help disciple not only uh, others, but we be discipled ourselves. Because if I, if I don't know myself, if I'm not painfully honest about the fact that that there are certain things about me that, 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 that God wants to deal with and I won't be honest about it and, and acknowledge it, I can't get help for it, all right? So now, notice what happened uh, with, uh, uh, with, with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And y'all, y'all know the story, but go, go to uh, pop up Genesis chapter number three. Let's go uh, to verse number, number one right quick. Genesis three, verse number one. It says, the serpent was the shoes of all the wild animals the Lord had, had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from the from, fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Verse two, let's go. Of course, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. The woman replied. Are y'all reading with me? I'm not reading my, by myself. Y- y- y'all don't want to read. This is a participatory message. See, see, see when, when the pastor is preaching, he says, let's read. And then you refuse to read. There's something inside of you that we got to deal with. I read when I get ready to read. Ain't no man going to tell me when to read. I read when I want to read. Okay, we're going to deal with that wound for it's over with, okay? It's only the fruit. <laughs> there are some people who have those wounds that I'll, if you tell me to do it, I ain't going to do it. But if you don't tell me to do it, I do it. Okay, so y'all don't read then, okay? 
It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we, we are not allowed to eat. God said, God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will what? Die. Verse four, let's read. You won't die. Wait, 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 wait. wait I thought she just quoted what God said. She just quoted what God said. But Vic, look what Satan says. See, Satan, from the very beginning, don't you miss this, and it's happening even today. Satan, from the very beginning, sought to discredit, amen, the authority of God's word. Satan, from the very beginning, tried to twist man's mind to make him think that God didn't say what he said. Satan, from the very beginning, has always sought to discredit the authority of God's word. And that's what's happening today, guys. Even in churches, churches will dismiss the properly exegeted word of God and say, well, it's a good book. That's a suggestion, but that's not God's word. Tricks hadn't changed. He's a, he's, he's a dumb devil in some sense, but he's, he's, he's a smart devil. He keeps using the same stuff over and over again. How many of y'all, if, if you're honest about it, will say that there are times in your life you kept getting tripped up by the same stuff? Same strategy, same, same issue, and you keep following because like, oh, go on here, I go again. He keeps using the same stuff. You won't die, the servant replied to the woman. Let's keep reading. Come on, let's go. Uh, God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Watch this. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. Watch this. At that moment, their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. They suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sold fig leaves together to do what? To cover themselves. Watch the text. Watch the text. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So, wait, watch this. So they hid from the Lord among the trees. Now watch this. Up until this time, they were not hiding from God. They were in the garden just doing their things. But now that they messed up, now that they violated God's word, what do they do? They started hiding. What do we do today when we mess up? Hide. We run from the church. We run from people who can help walk us through it. We run from spiritual authority. We go and we hide our stuff. And because we hide our stuff, then our stuff doesn't ever get healed because we keep hiding it. Hello? We keep covering. Next verse. Come on, let's go. It says, then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, he's talking to Adam. Well, you Adam, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was what? I was naked. Now, in the age of innocence, just like with our babies, I told you before, in the age of innocence, when a baby, uh, when they're one years old, two years old, even three years old, they're the age of innocence, and a baby doesn't hide anything. Right? A baby, if you get them out of the bathtub, dry them off, and company come to the doorbell, they'll run to the doorbell buck naked because they're in the age of innocence. But I dare say none of you all are here will go answer the doorbell butt naked, will you? Y'all know what butt naked means, right? <laughs> That's a country term, buck naked. Nothing on because they're innocent. But 
But since we're in a, a fallen state now, sin is in the earth realm, then we cover ourselves. And that's what they're doing. They're covering. They're covering their naked. He, he replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. And they said, who told you you were naked? The Lord God asked, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? Verse 12 says, the man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. Sound like you're making an excuse, doesn't it? I don't know about anybody else, but I read that. I read it over and over again. But, but, but he says, uh, basically, Lord, I wouldn't have done this if you hadn't given me this lady here. She the one. It was the woman you. It sounds like kind of like we do. It sounds like she's trying to blame God. It was the woman you gave me. The woman you gave me. And sometimes people will do us that way. They'll come and they'll 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 be in a slideway, you know, if something goes wrong. Well, you know, you know, Pastor, you know, you told us to use uh, a John over here and he didn't come. So the thing didn't get done. John was supposed to show up and do it, but he come. You told we, we had somebody else in mind. But you told us to use John, but John didn't come. John, who you gave us, Pastor. <laughs> That's why I didn't get done. We'll do that in, in all areas of life. He says it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. Verse, next verse is what? Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me. The woman is now shifting blame. We always do this. When, when you don't know yourself, when you, when you haven't dealt with the wounds of your past, any, any time, amen, some kind of sin or some kind of uh, 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 default comes up, you'll, you'll seek to shift blame rather than saying, it was me. I didn't get it accomplished. It was me. I lied. It was me who had the bad attitude. It was me. Who started the argument? Hello? She shifted me. The serpent deceived me. She replied, that's why I ate it. Verse 14 says, well, let's read. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the animals of the Mexican while you will crawl on your belly, grovel in the dust as long as you do not get. Y'all read the rest of that text. But the, but the, the thing I want you to, to, to get is this. They, they, they sold fig leaves together to hide themselves. But God... Even in the midst of their disobedience, he did something. God, a man, sacrificed an animal as a foreshadowing of what he was going to do with Jesus Christ, our Lord. He sacrificed, you read the text and keep reading, you'll find out that he, he sacrificed an animal, took the skins, and made clothing for them. See, one thing I learned about God, God is not in the business of exposing our mess. But Again, what will happen if we stay in our mess, God will step back and allow us to to, to fend for ourselves. And when the enemy gets us out there right where he wants to, he'll snatch the cover off our stuff. See, you got to know yourself. Listen, when you if you don't know yourself, you will always stay in the position of covering yourself. Are y'all listening to today? Jesus said in John 8 and 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Truth has to be unmasked because it's, it's, we'd rather hide some truth and protect ourselves than come out exposed and naked to God. It is painful. Amen. Unmasking is painful because while the truth ultimately liberates us and brings us closer to God, initially it's something we would rather avoid. How many of y'all have had discussion with your spouse uh, and we had an awesome marriage fellowship on last night. How many times y'all had discussions with your spouse and it took 12 discussions before the spouse really claimed, came clean? How many of y'all have already known the truth? You want to see if he or she going to tell the truth. 
Oh, y'all, y'all had never did that before? You already know the answer to the question that you're asking. Just like God, anytime God asks a question, let me tell you something right now. Anytime God asks a question, he already knows the answer to the question before he ever asks it. He wants to see what you're going to do, whether or not you're going to be honest with yourself and, and, and reveal, amen, amen, your nakedness. Are y'all with me today? And so many times we, we suffer and we go through things because we, we don't want to tell the truth. But look at the next part of the outline. Pain is the stimulus that, that God sometimes interjects in our lives to cause us to go beneath the surface. Because you got to know yourself. If you're going to ever have genuine, authentic community and be in relationship with other believers, you got to know yourself. Sometimes people who are in relationship with you know you better than you know yourself. They know your little habits. They know your little innuendos. They know your little idiosyncrasies, your little habits. They know it. And so you got to know yourself, okay? God oftentimes uses pain to get us to change. It happened all through the book of Judges. We saw it where when his people would go a whoring after other gods, God would have to use, amen, uh, uh, the enemy nations sometimes to deal with his people, take them to captivity, to insert some pain in their life so that they can change and start looking up to him. Unless there is sufficient discomfort and anguish in a lot of our lives, most people, most people, everybody say most people, most people will not do the hard work it takes to take a deep, honest, hard look inside themselves. Just won't do it. Amen. It's been said, it's been said, and I I agree with what, what this person said, it says we change our behavior when the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of changing. I'm going to repeat that. Listen to me very careful. We change our behavior when the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of changing. Because when, you, when you're trying to change something, it can be painful, right? It can be painful to you. I mean, I say painful. It can be tough when you're trying to change your diet. Something simple as eating differently, right? Even, even if it is for a health reason, it can be tough to change your diet because you get used to doing something a certain way. It can be painful to change your exercise routine from nothing to doing something, right? It hurts. It hurts when you first get up under the barbell. It don't hurt right when you do it, but... But a day later, Vic, if, you, if you're lifting weights, I mean, your muscles will start saying stuff like, you didn't tell me you were going to do that. You had never done that before. I'm going to hurt you because you put me through all those reps. Amen. Pain happens. Amen. And so, so, so we got to look at this. Watch this. Watch this. It, when we change our behavior, when the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of changing. Through pain, we often develop a hunger for change. So, so, so let's, how do, how do, how do, how do we go, how are we going to develop God on a relationship? Because first of all, we got to know ourselves. Now, now let me say this right quick uh, before I jump into this. Except in rare cases, hear me carefully. Our family is the most powerful, influential group that has affected who we are today. Except in rare cases, our families of origin are affecting us even today and shaping us to be the way we are today. Let me say it again. Our families. Again, I start this off by saying 
in order to know yourself, in order to prepare for a great relationship, we got to go through the process of understanding why we are the way we are. Not just saying, well, it's just the way I am. Listen to this real carefully. There, there is a group of questions that, that, that uh, Peter Scazzaro, Marrero and I had the uh, privilege of several years ago going uh, up to New York City uh, to a conference called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And it talks about the fact that, that many times, the reason why we see people in the church say they die, they're going to heaven, but still acting in ways that are not in line with God's will. It's because many people sitting in the church today say, but are emotionally unhealthy. Many people sitting in the church today say, but got wounds from the past that they never dealt with that started with their families of origin. And they never dealt with those wounds. Maybe grew up in an abusive situation, domestic violence. Maybe you grew up in a situation where you were sexually molested. Maybe you grew up in a situation where you were, quote, the black sheep of the family. Where everybody looked at you as the one that wasn't going to do anything. And so that, that persona overtook you. And so now even today, it affects how you view life. Family. Everybody say family. family. Fa- Not in 100% of the cases, but in most cases, our family is the most powerful, influential group that has affected who we are today. And how we do stuff and why we are the way we are. Now, the following kind of question, I'm going I'm to give you some questions. Just, just listen to these real carefully. And, and I, I, later on, we'll put these out there on, on the website, on the app, so you can, you, can, you can go back over them. But listen to me real carefully. The following kinds of questions that, that, that we need to ask, these, these are the kind of questions we need to ask ourselves to attempt to get to beneath the surface of, uh, of how the past might be impacting the presence. Because, again, past is not all bad. And, and, but what we got to be careful about is looking back to the past and being chained to the past and, and, and allowing the past to determine how we live life now. I am born again. My family of origin still has impact on me, but my born again family should have greater impact. Amen. I am a part of the family of God and anything shared in my life that prevents me from operating according to my new family, I got to deal with it. Listen to me carefully. Watch this. Watch this. Know yourself. Many of us, probably 95% of in here today, don't really know ourselves. We're not really honest with ourselves. Okay? All right. So, so uh, one, one of the things that you, you should do is, number one... Describe each family member with two or three adjectives. Go, go talk, look at your parents, look at your uh, uh, your grandparents, your siblings, your children, and just describe each one of them with an adjective. How was your mom? How was your daddy? And and, and and people don't like to do this. And no 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 mom or daddy was perfect. And we we had some great parents, but then there were some things that that our parents missed, just like some things that we miss, right? Yo, sit down one day and just just describe your family members in in two or three adjectives. Uncle Joe, crazy. (laughs) Don't care about nothing. Huh? Grandmama. (laughs) Great woman, family woman. Somebody may say mama had had, yo, whatever. Okay. Mamas, brother, just just give an adjective, lovingly, loving, or mean. Hello? 
didn't show affection, whatever that is. Write down, uh, write down those, family, those key families, mom, dad, grandparents, brothers, sisters, and children. Okay? Uh, um, uh, second question you ought to ask, how was conflict handled in our family? When we look at two or three generations, how was conflict handled in our family? How did y'all handle conflict? I, I, I'm going I'm I'm to share something with you guys. Uh, one, one, of the, one of the reasons, you know, I, I, I'll share this, in a, and this is not any disrespect to my mom and dad. They're sitting here right now. But, but in our family, we, we didn't know how to handle conflict. And we, because we didn't see it handled, uh, we, we saw arguing, fussing and fighting. Now y'all getting quiet on me. My mom and dad, they, 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 know, I, they know I love, hey mom, there you are, mom, raise your hand. Let me cover, my, let me cover myself. That's daddy, he's still in the back door. Is he, he's over there in the corner. Now, now, again, I never saw, I'm not saying it didn't happen, but I never saw Deep, honest discussion that was that was shared, amen, uh, with us as children is how we should handle conflict. Conflict was ham, ha, handled in a tumultuous way in our family. And some of y'all sitting there right now know that same thing was happening in your family. Now, I thank God that mom and dad is saved now. I thank God that I hope they're handling things differently. It's just them at the house now. <laughs> but but it was handled in a tumultuous Way in, in some in some some cases very 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 ungodlike. Now some of y'all when y'all hear me say that, by God, he should have been exposing his parents like that. Ooh, pastor ought to be quiet. That ain't preaching the gospel. It is because some of y'all sitting there right now and you know how you came up is affecting how you deal with stuff. So if you never saw conflict handled in the right way, if you never saw it addressed the right way, you. It'll affect how you handle it today. So, so sit down and describe uh, or, or answer the question, how was conflict handled uh, in, in our family or in our extended family? Okay, Go back to two or three generations. Uh, was it anger? Was it, was it, was it good God of discussion and prayer? I, I, just, I, I don't recall us ever sitting down and praying about something and saying, here's where the family's going to be going. Okay. I, I just don't recall that. And some of y'all sitting there now, you don't recall it either. All right? But prayer should be a part of how we deal with every issue in life. All right? So, so, so the next thing, you, you want to sit down and just ask, ask, answer this question. What were some generational things that were part of your family? What, what do you mean by generational things, Pastor? Stuff you saw over and over again. Was, was addictions in your family? Do you have a bunch of alcoholics? Isn't it amazing? Have you ever thought about this? Isn't it amazing how when, 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 when if granddaddy was an alcoholic, it seemed like, you know, daddy was an alcoholic or, 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 or there were other people in the family who were alcoholics. Isn't it, isn't it ama- it, you never thought about that? How is it that that seems to flow from generation to generation? If, if, if everybody, if, if, if grandmama, uh, again, this is no disrespect to grandmama or mamas, but if, but if grandmama and, and mama had children out of wedlock, it seemed like the daughter, the granddaughter, the great-granddaughter, and all of them have children out of wedlock. You ever, you ever, you, you, did you ever think that, that, that they were impacted by the family and the generational stuff that was happening? You, have you ever thought that, why is it that, that the Smiths are known for, you, you don't mess with them, man, because they fight, they go to jail behind stuff. 
If you Smith, I'm not talking about you. <laughs> Smith just happened to be a common name. But, but, but sit down and just carve out, because you got to know yourself. This stuff affected you. Uh, uh, what were some generational things? Was, was, was mental Ill, illness a part of the family? Okay, we don't we don't talk about the day, but we need to start talking about those kind of things because a mental illness is just like a physical illness, illness, and we got to stop sweeping on the rug and talk about I mean, how we pray to people through that, how we deal with those things. But was that a part of the family? Was 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 uh, depression? Is, is divorce rampant in that family? Was abuse in, in the family unit? All those things will impact us today. How well? You, here's the next one. How well did your family do talking about feelings? Feelings. Feelings. Nothing more than feelings. We ain't ever talking about no feelings. We're just trying to live. But how did, so, so ask yourself the question, how did my family talk about feelings? How did we deal with that? And I promise you, it's impacting how you deal with feelings. Unless you've been taught something differently. Amen. Your family of origin Amen. In those areas where there's dysfunctionality has to be replaced with your new family, which is the family of God. Allow God's word to help you deal with the wounds of your past. Okay. how was here's another one. Okay, how well did your family talk about feeling? How was sexuality talked or not talked about? And what was the What was the implied message? If did you ever talk about it? Did you ever deal with it? And if you didn't, maybe that's why you are not talking about it with your children. Everybody say generational. Okay. What, n- another question. What was considered success in your family? See, a- ask those questions. What was considered success in your family? Because um, those things have impact on how you're going to view success. Here's another one. How was money handled in your family? If, 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 if you never saw money handled the right way, if you always saw, uh, you know, people just kind of, you know, say whatever it takes. I'm going to get rich or die hard trying. No, that's not the approach we need to have. But how was money handling your family? Uh, how was spirituality expressed? How did you do holidays? And, and, and on down the line, you begin to ask those questions. Amen. Uh, how did your family, uh, 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 you know, you know how, how did y'all deal with tragedy? All those things will help you to understand maybe why you are the way you are today. You know, t- we talked about, you know, uh, was there any addictions and all those type of things? So begin to ask those questions. I'll put those out there for you to go and see. But that's how you get to know yourself. Here's what I know about myself. And I begin, when I begin to trace it and look back at my family, uh, my wife always said, me, yo, I got to pull and get you uh, to, to go somewhere. Uh, you, you, just, you just work. You work all the time. And, 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 and planning for trips and that type of thing is not on your repertoire. Well, I, I, when I started thinking about it, Craig, I thought about it. You know what? I don't ever recall going on a, a, a trip as a fa- one time. Now, this is not being critical, but don't you think that had an impact on how I view going places? Right? And, and, and you can ask, okay, all right, I'm going to pick on my uncle here, Uncle Charles here. Uh, uncle Charles, let me ask you a question. Um, Besides going to a funeral, <laughs> have you ever traveled any place just to visit for vacation? Shreveport! Shreveport! 
Charles, tell the truth. Paul Adams, his brother. Brother Paul in the corner over there. Brother Paul, besides following me when I was playing football, losing a tech. And we went to South Carolina. We went to some other place like that. Besides that, and then maybe going to a funeral somewhere. Have you traveled for vacations? Any place? No. He said, no. Now, again, it ain't like they depressed or anything. It's just that that's not what Hardimans did. Okay? So, now, that, now see, I'm, I'm opening myself up to y'all because I want y'all to go back and start answering some of these questions. And maybe I start thinking, well, maybe that's why I am the way I am when it comes to, I mean, you can ask my wife. I don't mind traveling. When she, when she says, go, let's go. It's just that I'm not sitting around thinking and planning, okay, where are we going to go three places next year? It's just never crossed my mind. It, it, it wasn't like I object to it. It's just that I think that when I look back on it, amen, not seeing that caused me to be the way I am as it relates to travel. Can I, that's what I'm talking about. Family of origin, amen, that, that, that's, that's not necessarily a negative thing as much as it is. It kind of shaped, helps me understand why I, I think the way I think. All right. But I got but but you know what? I'm, I'm getting new information. I'm getting new word from my wife. I'm getting new word from the scripture. So now I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get better at thinking ahead about that kind of stuff. I never object to going because I love going. And when I get there, you can ask her whenever we go. When she gets me away, man, I'm so glad I got away. And it's just it's just but 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 getting away. T, it's, it's, it's sometimes it's like it's like something rise up on them. Say, well, no, I got this to do. I got that to do. I got that to do. And. What I discovered is it'll be there when I get back. Leroy, it'll be there when I get back. Leroy travels all over the place. Seattle, Canada. He and Canada get up in the, in, in the car and go to the airport and fly somewhere. So, so we got to look at those things. Those are the things that shape us. Okay, y'all with me? So in other words, everybody say no myself. Say it again. Say, say, in order for me to be prepared for greater relationships, I got to know myself. Now, let's, let's get back here. Because okay. you, you I told Maria, I'm only going to look at one of these today because I knew that my time would run. But I, I need to share that with you guys. Some of y'all got some pains and some wounds from your past that you never really dealt with. And it causes you to be the way you are. And, you, and the enemy, because, because nobody likes to unmask. Just like Adam and Eve in the garden, we don't want to unmask because we think we're selling our family out if we, if we tell the family secret. That's the other thing you got to ask. What was the family secret? Hello? Write that one down. You Don't wait for it to get posted. Write that down. What was the family secret that nobody talked about? Or no, everybody knew about it, but nobody talked about it. Well, you know, daddy died, and then, uh, uh, she came to the funeral. Who is she? <laughs> that outside child that everybody knew about it, but nobody talked about it. Who is he? The son that you went to the funeral and fought the usher to get a program so you could see whether or not he was listed on the program. It, it amazes me that some of our funerals, man, we, we'll fight for those funeral programs 
And I think some of that is because we want to look at the obituary to see was the outside child in there. Is there a secret that nobody's talking about? I'm going to tell you something. See, you got to know yourself. When you, when you hide and cover stuff, why are you covering? See, there's liberty and there's freedom in unmasking. Now, I'm not saying you go around and tell everybody your business, but, 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 but I'm talking about stuff that's caused you to be the way you are. And you never address it. And you don't even understand why you are the way you are. But a lot of it has to do with our family of origin. So several times in the New Testament, the phrase one another one to another or each other is repeated. And the writers reminded us over and over again to love one another, accept one another, serve one another, comfort one another, forgive one another, honor one another, bear one another's burden, encourage one another, pray for one another, and be kind to one another. So today we're going to talk about love one another in the short time we got left. So, so, so go back, go back, go back with, with me, with me to John 13 right quick. Glory to God. Mom and dad, I love y'all. Mama, mama, I love you. What did she say? She said, I know her. That, that wasn't kind of the response I was looking for, mama, but. But I'll accept that. Daddy, I love you, man. He threw the fist at me. Now, now, now guys, now, we're laughing, but, but I, I did that purposefully because just like in our family, in a lot of y'all's family, for whatever reason, I'm not saying, I, I know my parents love me, but I never heard that. Okay. I never heard that audibly, and that's important. Every child needs to hear, especially from their father, but mother too, needs to hear that uh, I love you, I'm proud of you, and you are good at whatever they're good at. Kids need to hear that affirmation from their parents, okay? So, so, so in, 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 in the Hardeman family, that, you know, even though we knew we loved each other, it was not expressed, can I talk to y'all like this? Because see, see, some of y'all need to, all of us here need to get free, but some of us are not free because we keep masking. And some stuff bother you, but you don't have the courage to talk to your parents about what bothered you. And you it, it, here's, here's what we throw it off as. Well, I respect my mom and daddy. I wouldn't dare do what you just did, Pastor. You told business. You told, and that's the problem. We got family secrets. And nobody want to talk about family secrets. And you sitting there bound, amen, dysfunctional in all your ways because you don't deal with stuff. You just cover, you hide. If you hide it, he can't heal it. But if you uncover it, he'll cover it and he'll heal you. Come on, get the Lord a hand of praise. Yes, he will. So mama, one more time. Mama, I love you. Okay, there we go. There we go. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I knew mama would get it sooner or later. <laughs> okay, get, get back with me, y'all. Okay. Jesus says, uh, um, you know, love one another. By, by your love, people are going to know that you're my disciple. 
out of all those things, all things being equal, if we get the first one right, love one another, then the rest should fall into place. Amen. The rest of those phrases help us define what love should look like in the church, in your family, Christian person. Amen. So love one another. That's what Jesus told us. So what are the characteristics of Christian love? Go to Romans, the 12th chapter. Romans chapter number 12. Hallelujah. Are y'all on your back page yet? Are y'all praying that I get through? <laughs> I, guys, I hope, I hope that I'm helping liberate somebody here today. I, I, I hope that I'm helping uh, you to, to, to understand that you don't be shamed of where you came from. Understand where you came from. Where you came from may be less than ideal, and all of us come from less than ideal families because all of us got sinful people in our family. We are sinners saved by grace. In other words, we were sinners and God is saved. Now we're in the family of God. But let's acknowledge some of that stuff that may be preventing us from being able to have God honoring relationships here in the year 2019. Some of y'all right now, need to have a, a, a conversation with your children, your grown children. Yeah. Huh? And, and, and sometimes the relationship with our children is not where it needs to be because we've taken the attitude and approach, I'm grown. I'm older than you, which is fine, okay. But, but, but as a parent, your, 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 your age should not be a precursor to having honest conversation with your grown children. And there's some questions that your children may have of you. Are you willing to unmask? It may be painful, but I promise you it can be liberating. Amen? Watch, watch. Romans 12. Come on. So, the characteristics of, of Christian love. First of all, love is authentic. Everybody say authentic. Watch what Paul says as he writes to the, to the saints in Rome. He says, don't just pretend to love others. Can y'all read this with me? Let's read. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. So the first characteristic of Christian love is love. It's, it's authentic. The, the KJV says, uh, Love, it says, without dissimulation, which means sincere. The Greek word for sincere is, in verse 9, is, I'm, I'm going to try to pronounce it, it's anapokritos, which it literally means not hypocritical. Anapokritos, which literally means not hypocritical. A, 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 there's a Greek word, hypocritos, which was a Greek actor who would come onto the stage wearing a mask a comedy mask. When he came on with a, a mask that was smiling, then, then everyone would laugh. And then he would go and change and put on a mask with a frown, with a, a mask of tragedy, and everyone would begin to weep. He was a mask wearer. And that's where some of us are right now. Some of us sitting in this church today, we say, but we are mask wearers. We're sitting here and we're looking like everything is okay. We're sitting here looking like we, 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 we're growing in our faith, but we're really wearing a mask. We got our Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God is a good God. Word to be praised. Isn't God good? We got that mask on. We got the Christianese going, but inside we're suffering. Inside, we need some healing. 
And God is saying, I want to heal you, but you got to uncover. You got to let me in. Quit trying to hide like Adam and Eve did in the garden and say, God, here I am with my woeful, messed up self. Lord, I need you to work on me. I'm not worried about everybody else. I'm talking about me. God, deal with my heart. Deal with my issues. Help me to grow and be the person who's equipped to have good God on in relationships. So, 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 first of all, says don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Paul said love is to be sincere. It, no mask. No more mask in the church. Amen? Okay? Now, remember, what, what did we say earlier about unmasking the truth? It can be painful. But I promise you, it's liberating. So love is authentic. That's what he says. Uh, love is authentic. The second thing is love is discerning. Everybody say discerning. Amen. If you love someone, you're, you're going to despise anything that is a threat to that person's well-being. Is that true? And guys, when you understand that sin is lethal, you begin to hate sin while you still love the sinner. Because sin will, sin is, the Bible says the wages of sin is what? Death. And sin in your life, Christian, will, will produce death to your marriage. Sin will produce death in your finances. You, you know, you, here you are, uh, you know, because you're not honoring God with the first fruits of all your increase. Now, you, it seems like you're pouring money in bags with holes in it. The more money you make, the more you spend. It's because you're not honoring God with it. Sin will, will bring death to your financial position. Sin will bring death to your relationship with your child. Amen. So so hate sin, y'all. Uh, look, look at what, uh, uh, you know, well, pop up Proverbs, the sixth chapter, verse number 16 for me right quick. Proverbs 6 and 16, 16 through 19. Watch this. God hates sin because he loves those who are hurt by it. Amen. It says there are six things the Lord hates. You no, know, seven things he detests. Number one says haughty eyes, a proud look, a lying tongue. Come on. Hands that kill the innocent. Come on, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, uh, a false witness who pours out lies, a person who sows discord in a family. God hates that. God hates the mess maker in the family. Are you the mess maker in the family? Are you the one that stir up stuff? Are you the one that always keeps stuff jumped off? A person who sows discord, the Lord don't like that. So, so, so love is discerning, guys. Christian love, like God's love, hates that which can harm the one you love. So love has checkpoints and cares about a person's character. You don't just, when you love somebody, you can't see them going down and not say anything. Love cares enough to say, hey, that's wrong. When someone is engaging in some destructive behavior. And even when that person said, well, don't be judging me. No, I'm not judging you. I'm judging the sin that you're in. God hates sin, and, and, and sin will hurt you eventually. And so that's why I'm pointing out the sin, so that hopefully, amen, we can pray through it, work through it. I'm not throwing you away. I'm just telling you what you're doing is against God's will. Go to Galatians 6 with me right quick. Come on, 6 and 1. So, so love is discerning. Watch this, watch this. Glory to God. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Verse number two says what? Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. So 
Love is discerning. It's discerning between what's right and what's wrong based on what scripture teaches. In many of our families, people don't want you to talk about the sin that they're involved in. I'm going to tell you right now, uh, as long as the Lord allows me to pastor this church, we're going to preach Bible. We're going to love you. But if it's sin, we're going to call it sin. Amen. we're going to love you and we're going to point out sin because sin hurts and sin will kill. Sin will destroy your family. You let sin give just a little bit of a room and it'll come in and just mess up the whole thing. A little leaven does what? Leaven the whole lump. Next thing, love is loyal. Everybody says loyal. When Simon Peter betrayed Jesus, he went out and wept bitterly, guys. And when you are disloyal, you feel terrible about it yourself if you're born again. How many of y'all ever messed up? I need to see some hands. How many of y'all ever messed up royally and hurt somebody who you love? That's a terrible feeling, guys. Terrible, terrible feeling. But guys, I'm going to tell you something. Love is loyal. You divide relationship. When, when you are disloyal, you feel terrible about yourself. But, but what ends up happening, you divide relationships to hurt the ones you love. Loyalty will hold relationships together through difficult times. In other words, if, 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 I, if I come, when I came to the altar and married this beautiful young lady right now, and we were married uh, uh, December 24th in the year 1985 at a little old church in Hainesville, Louisiana called Hatter Chapel Free Will Baptist Church. <laughs> now, why we got married on a Christmas Eve, that sounded like a good idea back then, but it ain't a good idea right now. <laughs> Anniversary gift. December 24th, Christmas gift. December 25th, birthday gift. January 26th, Valentine's Day gift. February 14th, Mother's Day gift. Second Sunday in May. Do I need to keep going? No, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm being facetious. Man, it, it, whatever I can get this woman, I'm going to get this woman. Because this woman, amen, has been loyal to me. And this woman has kept me. This woman has has literally prayed for me. So I thank God for this woman right here. Can I get a witness? But I still don't know why we did Christmas Eve. I don't know. Just... So, 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 so watch it, guys. Uh, I said love is authentic. Love is discerning. Love is loyal. Proverbs 17 and 17 says, a friend is loyal and a brother is born to help in time of need. Next, last thing here, love is unselfish. Everybody says unselfish. Get back to Romans, Romans, Romans 12 and 10 with me and look at Philippians 2. And I'm, I got to let y'all go, okay? An illustration of that love, I'll talk about that illustration next week, the Good Samaritan. We'll hit on that and we'll go to the next one. Will y'all allow me to do that? I wanted to do it today, but I, I, you know, I just felt like the first part of that needed to be said. Until you know yourself... Until you are honest about yourself, because some of y'all sit here right now and, and you know that you don't really share what you really think and what you feel, even with your spouse. Why you hold stuff in? Why can't you be honest with the person who you're in covenant relationship with? Have you ever asked yourself that question? What affected me in my fandom origin that caused me not to be able to express myself? 
and what I really feel and what I think. Just asking the question. Watch this. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in what honoring each other. This is Paul talking to the church. He said, we, if we're going to have those genuine uh, relationships, we got to be prepared for it. And you got to start by knowing yourself. Amen? Love is unselfish. Okay? The world's concept of love is often self-centered. In, in other words, people are like, you turn me on. You make me feel good when I'm with you. You light up my life, and therefore I love you. And when someone no longer does those things for us, the world says, it's okay to stop loving. I used to feel this way, and I'm not. Love goes beyond just how you feel. Love is an action word. Love, love means that there's sometimes I may want to knock you upside your head, but 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 I'm not going to do that, and I'm going to stay with you. You you did something that was that was dastardly, and and it was not God honoring. But I love you enough that I'm not going to throw you away. That's unconditional love. That's agape love that God has for us. And he wants that same love to be permeating throughout our lives, guys. Love is unselfish. Christian love got to be different than the world's love. A Christian love is self-sacrificing. Paul attempted to prove his love for the Thessalonians by reminding them of the sacrifice he made for them. Go to 1 Thessalonians 2, 5 and 8. We're finishing on this one. I promise you. Then next week, we're going to see that illustration that Jesus gave of the kind of love he wants us to have. I pray that you guys are thinking about what I said earlier. I pray that you know yourself. And you got to ask yourself the question, am I a person who lies a lot? Am I a person who, who, who won't face what I've done or what? problem that we're dealing with? Do I just brush it under the rug? Do I paint a picture? Do I wear a mask? Am I that person? Because if I am, I can't really do relationships right because I'm not going to be authentic. Christian love is authentic. It's genuine. Watch this. Watch it. Look what Paul says. Look what Paul says. Then we're going to finish on this. He says, never want did we try to win you with flattery? Watch out for folks who try to flatter you. They want something. <laughs> Never once did I try to win you with flattery, as you well know. And God is our witness that we were not pretending to be your friends just to get your money. There are some folks who will run with you as long as you're buying all the liquor. There are some folks who will come and they will eat with you as long as you buy all the food. The first time you say, let's come over your house. Got to go. Never once did we try to win you with flattery, as, as you well know. And God is our witness that we were not pretending to be your friend just to get your money. As for human praise, we have never sought it from you or anyone else. Watch out for folks who are always looking for somebody to pat them on the back and praise their name. In the church, amen, Jesus is the one that gets the praise. Amen, watch out for folks who are to look at me. Look, what, what about me? I want that title. I want you to call my name. Forget that. Jesus is the one who's going to be lifted up around this place. We never sought it from you or anyone else, Paul says. Watch this. 
as apostles of Christ, we certainly had a right to make some demands of you. I mean, theologically, he was correct. He could, he could receive from them. But Paul chose not to. He says, he says as apostles of Christ, we certainly had a right to make some demands of you. But instead, we were like children among you or we were like a mother feeding and caring for her own children. Paul said we came with a nurturing spirit. Watch this. Verse number eight. Watch this. We love you so much that we share with you not only God's good news. And here's what we're trying to get to, church, EBC. Here's what we're trying to get to, those relationships. Not only did we share with you the good news that God gave us about Jesus' death and resurrection, but look what Paul says. But we shared our, our own lives with you, too. How many of you in here today are doing life together with other believers in this body? How many of you all see fellow believers outside of the four walls of this church. See, we're not really doing life together if we never interact or contact or, or be in touch with anybody other than when we see them on Sunday. And then we, call, we try to call that genuine relationship. It's not. So many, many, if you're sitting there right now thinking to yourself, well, you know, but Pastor, I understand what you're saying all that, but you know, I like just being by myself, you know, I ain't got to fool with nobody, you know, I got to worry about nobody hurting me, you know, and so I've been through that before, you know, I don't want to fool with church folk, you're a church folk, amen, and, 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 and so, so I just want to keep to myself, no, here's why it's no, see, God didn't save you for you to stay to yourself. God saved you to have a relationship with other believers. You have stuff and gifting that the church needs and believers need. We love you so much that we share, which is not only God's good news, but our own lives also. Verse 9, and I'm, I'm finished. I think. I am. I really am. Don't you remember, dear brothers and sisters, how hard we worked among you? Night and day we taught to earn a living so that we would not be a burden to any of you as we preach God's good news to you. Verse 10, watch this. You yourselves are our witnesses, and so is God, that we were devout and honest and faultless toward all of you believers. Next verse, watch this. And you know that we treated each of you as a father treats his own children. So Christian love, guys, it's unselfish. It's loyal. It's discerning and it's authentic. And until you get to that point to where you loving, we are loving one another, we're not really prepared for the greater impact that God wants to have through this church. We got to get to the point where we love one another. Amen. Now, if you bow your heads with me, I want to pray.